0: And welcome to the Please Hustle Responsibly podcast. Uh, I'm here today with Christina Magro, and we are joined by Othon and Damien from Know Us Without You in LA. Uh, Before we start talking to them and the wonderful work that we're doing, I'm going to do a mental health check-in with Magro and see how she's doing. Mags, how are you?
1: You know, I'm doing great. The sun is shining in Chicago and we're having (laughs) fake spring right now. So it's been 60 degrees for two days. Um, So we've been talking about dibs. You see like all the remnants of dibs now on the side of the street, just like broken chairs and shit everywhere. But, um, you know, I think vitamin D does wonders for my Soul and being able to like open up the windows and kind of air out winter was really nice. So I'm feeling good. How are you doing, Matt
0: Cole? Uh, I'm good. I'm I'm also enjoying this this like warm weather. You, like the past two days, getting up into sixty degrees after a hellacious snowy couple weeks or months or however long that period of time was. Uh, and you know, as as Chicago does when it gets warm, everything gets busy again, pandemic or not. So. Just uh, just adjusting to that at work and getting ready for what the summer is going to bring us. Uh, Adon and Damien, how are you guys doing today? Uh,
2: um, I'm hanging on like a hubcap in a fast lane, man, but we're pushing <laughs> over here. Um, I'm doing well. I had a rough start this morning, but uh, I got over the hump. Uh, we're helping families. That's all that matters.
3: <clears throat> yeah, like Damien said, uh, doing well. I got my first shot of, uh, first shot of COVID vaccine yesterday, so Feeling like I got beat up, but uh, like like Damien said, just time to get back to work and not uh, feel sorry for ourselves.
0: Straight up. Oh, yeah, well, thank you so much for being with us today. We're really excited. Uh, the work you guys are doing out in LA is super important, taking care of the vital backbone of the hospitality industry, the often unsung heroes in our undocumented family. Uh, before we start talking about Know Us Without You, can you guys tell us a little bit about yourselves and you know, how you started in hospitality, how you guys crossed paths and, and the work that you're doing before pandemic and and where you're at now?
2: Of course. Uh, so I myself, I'm not an L- LA uh, native by, by birth. I'm from the Bay Area originally. Uh, I moved out here to L.A. about 10 years ago uh, from a little town called Vallejo. So Vallejo is a town between Oakland and Napa, so it can get a little ratchet, but <laughs> still have the farm-to-table aesthetic, so we're kind of an anomaly. Uh, I had an opportunity uh, to move out to L.A. Uh, I started out doing the whole acting thing, like pretty much everyone and their mother out here, uh, but I had a chance at fate when I had an opportunity to go work at a place that needed a bar back. Um, prior to the pandemic, excuse me, I should say prior to me leaving, I worked at a hotel over in Berkeley as a server, as a buster, as a dishwasher. So hospitality was, was my thing prior to my arrival. Um, so then once I moved out here and became a bar back, that was my intro to the bar world. Fell in love with it. The idea of exchanging stories and exchanging shots um then uh we worked my rather i started working at a cantina a little mexican joint adjacent to skid row borderline arts district and that's when Otona and i met uh, he managed the bar i was lead bartender there and then the rest is history um so i'll go ahead and let uh, oh you want to chime in now
3: oh uh, yeah actually david worked there first i walked in and he was the first person that yeah, greeted yeah. me and offered me a glass of water when i asked to speak <laughs> to the general manager I had, a, I had a meeting with him uh I, so, Damon and I have been friends for almost eight years now, and I'm I'm from Los Angeles, Bull Heights to be exact, uh, which is a big deal to, to me. Uh, it's the largest. Uh, it's kind of I guess you can compare it to Pilsen in Chicago, uh, except that Bull Heights started as the as like the Mexican American epicenter. You know, there's more Mexicans in Bull Heights than anywhere else in the world besides Mexico. Um, so. Our office is located in Bull Heights, and our hospitality company is Vala. Everyone thinks it's like a Spanish word. They always ask us to translate it, but it means Vallejo to LA. So VA, Damien, and LA me. Uh, we we started working at at Ixta, this Mexican restaurant together, and then we we went over to Everson Royce Bar, ran that, and just kind of got our got our feet wet and really grew as hospitality consultants. And when the pandemic uh, shut everything down, that's when we kind of pivoted to No Us Without ULA and, and got that going. But same thing like Damien, I, my first job was a dishwasher and hospitality and it put me through college. And yeah, here we are.
0: Hell oh, yeah. Do uh, you guys want to tell us a little bit about No Us Without You? Sure. Um, so, as
2: Otonen mentioned, we were we were caught up with a bunch of clients pre-pandemic. You know, we were we were full steam ahead with several projects, and then COVID hit uh, just about a year ago, and we were left without work. Um, so, at that time, we started seeing a bunch of GoFundmes. Uh, charity drives for front of house workers. You know our hospitality industry, our sector has been pr- probably one of the hardest hit during this pandemic. That's pretty much uh, everyone understands that. But what we started seeing is there was zero representation for the back of the house sector within the hospitality community. So instead of getting mad, we wanted we always want to be productive. We were a little pissed off at first, but that's not conducive to anything, right? So oh, I was like, yo, let's uh, let's figure out a way to help our friends, because people forget, like before all this, like the back of the house sector, they're homies, they're compadres, they're comadres. You know, we would invite as like an Everson Royce bar, for example, we would all go out to to have a beer after work, as we all do. And we'd be like, hey, compadre, venir con nosotros. Like, you want to come with us like the dishwasher or the line cook at that time? You know, and oftentimes they'd say no because they have families and stuff. But sometimes they'd be like, (laughs) you know what? Absolutely. So we'd go across the street. We wouldn't allow them to pay just to give them a full sense of hospitality because oftentimes they don't get the invite because there's this natural uh, separation between front and back of the house. So then we started reaching out to these friends uh, when the pandemic hit and our fellow restaurateur and chef friends as well. And we're like, hey, how's your back of the house? So before you know it, we have 10 families that we reached out to. We started coordinating. Uh, Otona and I, we put our money together. Uh, we went over to local purveyor market and bought as much as we could with the money we had. And we made these kits, these meal kits, with the rice, with the beans, with these essential items that that are familiar with this sector of, or this community, I should say, you know? So then at that point, it just doubled in size for the following week. And then people started getting wind of what we were doing. Uh, And I'm happy to say that almost 12 months later, which we're hitting our one-year anniversary soon uh, this month, uh, we're at 1,600 families that we're assisting, including the original every week, every week, 1,600 families a week, including the original 10 families that we started out with. You know, people think that we just open it up to everyone that comes at our distribution sites, but this is all based on a reservation and confirmation system every, each and every week thus far.
0: Damn, that's a that's a hell of a lot of growth. How is how's keeping up with that, been? I mean, we have a support
2: staff. We have our volunteer staff that helps us. I mean, with sixteen hundred families now on a weekly basis, as Laton said, that's over one hundred fifty thousand pounds a week that we're pushing. Um, you know, and the staff that we have; these are our friends as well. They help run amazing bar programs. They, they're also back at the house. We have a couple of chef friends as well, including our delivery drivers, which we can get into a little later, but, you know, we've worked alongside of these people. We've done events with them and we trust them because at this point we can all agree that this is more of a lifestyle choice. You know, it's not like they're just volunteering for a few months. You know, the majority if not, I would say almost every single one has been here since almost day one since we started bringing in the volunteer staff, once we got to that threshold that we crossed. So they know that it's a lifestyle choice. They know that they're not going to be going to Vegas to go party on the weekend or going to underground warehouse parties here in LA, you know, things like that. Um, we take all the necessary precautions to to not compromise what we work so hard for each and every week. And they know that.
0: That's amazing. Uh, do you Do you think that, uh, no Us Without You is here to stay forever? Is this the long-term
3: part of your projects? Uh, definitely. It's not something that we ever thought about doing for you know uh, a few months and then just quitting and going back to normal uh, life. It, it, it's something that we I, th- I feel like Damien and I, and we talk about it all the time, uh, we we've kind of led a life of service before this. We consider ourselves professional servants, and it's like we have a whole new... A whole new life in the service industry now you know doing something for for free and doing something when when people who have never asked for for help in their lives and now need just little assistance you know just to make it through this these tough times like so many americans um it, it would treat it like a real business you know it's a llc it's a 501c3 it, it's not something that if magically tomorrow we snap our fingers and COVID ends and everything went back to the way it used to be, which it's not that we would stop uh, caring about food security, you know? And I'll, I'll let Damon talk more about uh, our other programs that we have, but the food security will always be the foundation. And if you think about it this way, you know, all of us who are fortunate enough to get unemployment uh, benefits, and I know they vary from state to state, but we've gotten stimulus checks and we're we're okay. I'm not saying anyone's getting rich off of unemployment, but, but we're okay, at least the bills are getting paid. Uh, these families have nothing. They 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 get none of that even though they pay into the system. So for us, in, in the near future, when places do reopen, if we can provide food security for the families so that they can at least not spend what little money they're earning on on food and they can use that to dig out of the hole of debt that they've incurred the last 12 months, then then we're more than willing to do that.
0: Yeah, that's incredible. Uh, and so it's so important to just, and we talk about community on here a lot, uh, as such a huge and important aspect of, you know, of our hospitality industry of what we do. And, you know, often, oftentimes we see a lot of people that are just expecting the community to serve them without being involved in the community themselves. Right. And like, this is, this is amazing, <laughs> I mean, really taking care of, of our families. Uh, do you guys have any intentions of spreading outside of L.A.? I, I think right now, Otona and I can both agree. I mean, if the opportunity
2: hits later on, absolutely. But uh, we are trying to really hone in on what it means to reach our full capacity here within Los Angeles proper so that we can keep executed efficiently and reach as many Angelinos as, as that we can you know, uh, for right now. And what I mean by hone in, because like what Odon mentioned, we do have other added resources. Our base resource, what our mission statement states is that we're going to help you find some type of food assistance. That's what we're doing day in and day out. So at bare minimum, that's what you're going to get once you get vetted and qualified. But there's other resources. So um, I would say about maybe a month in to the to the whole organization that once we started, there was this woman that would always come in late and Adon and I would always, you know, what the hell, what's wrong with this lady? Like, Why she always come in late? And she's always giving reasons. And finally, she mentioned to us that she has no one here. Her all her family's in Central America and she's afraid to catch the bus um, because she's, elder, she's a little older. She's more susceptible to getting COVID and, and higher risk. So she walked, she walked from, where she lived in Westlake MacArthur Park to our one of our downtown locations, which is about almost five miles. Okay. So she she told me like with tears in her eyes, like, look, I'm so sorry, but there's nothing else I can do. And she made Otan and I realize like her very early on, we can't streamline this as as much as we would like to because it's such a complex thought, right? So we were like, let's start delivering. Let's start delivering. Let's figure out a route. let's let's figure out a route to get to this woman is, and also ask and tune in because you're you're talking about building a sense of community, all inclusive, right? Um, let's see who else needs to get delivered to. Let's see why so-and so over here is getting like um, not, not coming in or coming in late, you know? so that opened up the floodgates to our level of understanding that there's other ways that we can and shall and should start to help. So, the first delivery route was born. Um, at this, at this rate, almost 12 months in, we're, we're delivering all over LA County. Uh, we have 17 delivery routes at this moment. We have two volunteer drivers per route. Uh, so that's over th- over 30, almost 40 delivery drivers that we have, aside from our core de- um, volunteer staff that helps us in the field. We go up north as far as Silmar. From downtown, it's like an hour and a half, roughly, depending on traffic. It be two hours, believe it or not. We go for it. Alley uh, County is really
3: big. (laughs) It's huge. You know, you got... uh,
2: 900 square
3: miles. Mm -hmm.
2: So we're all over, east to west, north to south. That's one other resource that we've added in. We're also helping with tutoring. We have a number of students that we're helping with our tutor, Fabia Salazar. She's a student out of Cal State LA that's been helping us for almost throughout the whole pandemic. And we've also started our uh, study hall program. So we're opening up this tutoring resource for all the kids, part of our program. So on a weekly basis, we're letting every single family know that within 30 minutes, we can allocate 30 minutes on Wednesdays to your child with homework help. So now these kids, not only do they have that added resource, but they are able to sustain their education and it relieves a lot of pressure off the parents themselves, especially because there's there's an initial language barrier, you know? And what if you know the language, but you don't know this level of math because you have a fifth grade education? So we have that, uh, we have a job uh, resource center that we're helping them out with as well. We're allocating jobs um, as best as we can. Uh, Right now with like this contraction and expanding effect that, LA County hazard specifically, you know, it's hard to keep up with who has a job and not. But for the most part, we, it's safe to say that everyone pretty much needs a job right now. Um, so we're able to keep a hold of that. Um, we're also in talks right now to add counseling, uh, which is hugely important. Uh, this is also a way for us to bridge the gap of mental health awareness, especially in such a stigmatized community within the Latinx sector. Uh, these are all things that uh, we want and to, to keep answer your question,
3: into
2: <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Othman.
3: Sorry to answer your question. So, um, we we've been asked if we ever want to expand this any anywhere else in, in in the United States, and you know we've we've given the the playbook. We we did not go to school for this, and every time someone asks us how we can do this and how can I help in my city, we'll give you the playbook. It's it's not very difficult. <clears throat> You know, we were fortunate that we had a little bit of infrastructure, we already had an office. Um, you know, we already had a business license with the city. So we we're able to kind of like, you know, circumnavigate a few things. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was really just uh, our family, our friends and our and our former coworkers coming together to help people. So if you want to email us, we'll give you the playbook. Anyone can do this in the city.
0: Hell yeah. I and mean, it sounds like you're you're expanding to meet the needs as you like, as you're finding things that need to be covered, which is incredible. So I guess obviously like food security is not the only thing that is affecting everyone in this, especially our undocumented family who has like so much other things to worry about because they don't get any kind of assistance. Are there any other unexpected things that you guys have have learned as you were starting this?
3: I mean, I think we learned by by all our mistakes. Uh, The first big mistake we made was that you know, we had our and our families coming to our office in Bull Heights to pick up food. And our now merchandise director, who's our good friend, Daniel Zarate, pointed out that, like, what the fuck are you guys doing? You know, ICE can just, like, Google where your address is at and you're, like, posting on Instagram. Like, you can't expose people to, to this type of threat. So the, I think the biggest thing we've learned is that let's not make a mistake by turning something that's good into a negative. You know, just because your heart's in the right place doesn't mean that you can't hurt people. So from that day on, probably the biggest thing we learned was that we, like Jamie will tell you, we treat it like a, a drug deal. Um, everything's appointment-based. Uh, we change locations all the time and people get in, they get out, they're very safe. We, we We go out of our way to make it as convenient for the families that we serve, even though it might add, you know, hours or be more inconvenient to our lives. Like, we don't have to worry about getting deported. They do. So from from that point on, we made it a focus to always make sure the family's uh, dignity, health, and safety were were paramount.
0: Uh well, how does how do people in your community get involved with you know us without you? There's different ways.
2: Um, you know, thank you to social media and our transparency. our, our media director, first off, Mel Castro, she's been an amazing, not only friend, but an asset to the organization by cataloging and taking pictures and making these beautiful uh, films for us so that the community can get involved and truly see what it is that we're doing. Uh, Because of COVID right now, I mean, in an ideal world, yeah, we would love more volunteers and more people, more hands on deck. But at this point, we can't allow for that. So um, aside from monetary donations, it's spreading the word of our cause. Uh, people can definitely donate and help sustain our efforts on our website, on knowuswithoutyou.la. For folks that really wanna get involved and try and get their hands in, involved, uh, we have deliveries, as I mentioned, and we're always adding in routes. Um, that does take some time to coordinate, I don't to tell you. Um, so anyone that's interested that lives in the area, that lives in LA County can DM us in that regard, but just to remember and to reiterate that this is a lifestyle choice, so it's not like you can volunteer for a week and then you're like out partying or doing God knows what. So definitely, that's definitely a way to get involved with us for sure.
0: How, how do we as a hospitality community better serve our undocumented family?
3: I think that it begins with, you know, treating them as as equals and as as coworkers and peers. Um, getting to know people's names. I mean, I know so many people that have reached out to Damien and I, you know, saying, Hey, like a few of my, you know, back of house staff need help. And it's like, cool. Can you give me their names? that connect us I'm like, they even know their fucking names. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, it's pretty, it's pretty sad when mm-hmm. you don't even know the people that run, <laughs> run your kitchens names, but you know, I get it. it. We can look, we can look backwards or we can focus on the future. And, I think the big part is just being aware that we have this immense amount of, of fortune and privilege to work in front of the house and to get tips. Uh, you know, I think tips should be equally spread out across the whole restaurant or bar. There's no reason that uh, a server needs to make sixty two dollars an hour and a dishwasher should make seven. You know, there's there's a way for everyone to to make money, right? And we could all rise up together that way. Uh, I think that's that's my opinion. Damien, like what, what do you think Add to that?
2: I, I totally agree with though. Um, and also just like he mentioned, and I'll reiterate, just get to know your back of the house staff. They're not robots. Um, you know, I talk to each and every single individual from our organization on a weekly, if not daily basis. Yeah. And the common ground, the the common denominator more so with reiterating to me is that they sound, they feel invisible. They feel neglected not just by the government but also by their immediate peers within that restaurant that bar that hotel you know i can't tell you how many times in my previous experience i've mentioned this to to the dishwasher and people that we work with don't even know that person's first name or what their story is just breaking that threshold of understanding like hey like how you doing like right now covid has allowed for this to be almost like a reset button to repivot and reapproach the way we handle those situations so that when we get that new job, if anyone's listening, like if you, you're a bartender, you're a server, you get that new gig. That's a fresh, clean slate to go ahead and start building a relationship with that individual, that person, that man, that woman in the back of the house, whether they're a line cook or a porter. Like, hey, fulano, fulana, how's your day getting to know them? So that they don't feel ostracized by their own community,
0: and then as we were talking about building a real sense of community, and how do we as as Americans, as a nation, better serve our undocumented community? Like as as for people who are listening who don't have the the daily interactions of working in restaurants with with these people, but, and you know see whatever you know representation on the news as to what our undocumented community is like. How do we make things better for them? We have to remind I mean, ourselves. Damien, Damien and I... Go ahead, pops.
3: Uh, Damien and I are both sons of immigrants, you know. And let, let's be honest here: America was built by immigrants. And I, I don't know when that changed. When it became, you know, this this common this common thing to like be so xenophobic and and focus on like me and what I need and like fuck everyone else like. Figured out, learn English, you know, uh, you're not a citizen. There's, there's there's so, I mean, let's think about a business standpoint. If you were to, if you were to make everyone that's, that's not a citizen, a citizen and tax them, like from a business standpoint, that'd be a lot more money for everyone. Like there's just so many positives that I think that people are unwilling to really face because they don't have the interaction and they don't, all they, they see is like the stereotypes and the negative and they don't focus on the good things. You know, if if your mechanic was from Bolivia, you know, and he was, like, the greatest mechanic ever, like, would you give a shit that he was from Bolivia? You know, I don't even think you would see that. You would just see that person for their skill.
2: And I also want to say, to, to write on his coattails, you know, it's like we have to remind ourselves, and when I say we, I mean the nation, specifically here in California, it's like we remind ourselves where our produce comes from where the labor comes in and stems from, right? It's like, you like Caesar salads, cool. Chances are there's an undocumented individual that picked that lettuce. You know, you like wine, fantastic, I love cab. Okay, who picked those grapes? And, you know, it goes beyond that. It's this whole food supply chain from logistically who packages it, who delivers it to the restaurants and hotels, who preps and cleans and cooks, pre-pandemic who runs this food over, who after you're done scraping the plate, who? takes this dirty dish and who washes it in the back. And at the end of the day at two, three in the morning, who's there rummaging through garbage to get recycled or at the local gas station to get the plastic bottles out to put it back into the system. You know, it's a whole chain of command that is lubricated by our immigrant population. And I think if we just remind ourselves or just grow an awareness for it, I think we would be more tolerant and accept it more so, more so uh, of of this community. I
0: agree um i
4: have I have a question that might be naive, and maybe we should cut this out after, but um I've thought about it a lot, and why aren't more like is it possible to sponsor people who work for your business? Even though they're undocumented to become citizens, um so that they don't have to worry about the threat of being deported and And if so, why isn't that practiced more?
2: I sponsor you mean
4: I mean, like uh, so I, I don't know if that's I don't know yes, exactly. i don't, I don't know if that's the right term, but like when I was abroad, I was offered a sponsorship to stay as a working non-citizen. Working work mm-hmm. Yes, exactly.
3: Okay. Yeah, that is something that, you know, goes back to what we we're talking about. You would actually have to respect the work that people are doing to, to care enough to do that. You know, like I know my my brother lives in my brother lives in Canada and that was a big thing he had to get a work visa after graduating from college to get a job and you need a business to sponsor you. Um, I think it just goes back to that. You actually have to care about the people who are an integral part of your business for that to happen. No one's going to make people do that.
0: Mm -hmm. I think just from speaking with you guys for this short amount of time, I can see how much you guys care about not just the people that you're working with, but also like the work that you do and every, every aspect of it. Uh, When I was looking through your guys' website, I saw the top, uh, give a shit. give uh, a shit, and I just, you know, I, just, I, that really stuck with me. And as I was like reading up on you guys and trying to like, uh, you know, figure out where the conversation was going to go, I, I just want to know what does that mean to you?
2: Be empathetic, be compassionate. Uh, don't be afraid to do the work. You know, if if you don't, then who will? At this point, and if we don't, who will? It's it's leading by example and making sure that. This this community knows that we have their best interests, uh, that we do take their identity and their security as a top priority within this organization. You know, Have a level of compassion that we would normally not have. I mean, you walk down in Chicago downtown, you see a homeless individual, you walk right past them because then odds are the next walk over, you're gonna see another homeless individual. And I mean, do you say hello? Do you say hello to everyone? Do you pick and choose? These folks feel invisible. When people feel invisible, it doesn't matter if you're homeless or not. Going back to my point earlier, like this undocumented sector within our own community, they feel that. They feel that level of invisibility, although we have the nerve to label them essential. It's like, okay, now that America's back against the wall, we want to label stuff. Like you get back to work, I want this, I want that. You're essential, you have to get back to work. Well, let's just treat them as such. Mm -hmm. Let's treat them as such because they've been essential way before the pandemic. They're extremely essential during the pandemic, and they're going to be continuing to be essential moving past it. So just that sensibility, just that idea of compassion and empathy to make sure that we have the best interest in mind.
0: Have you guys found any kind of positives coming out of the the changes that have happened in the past year from COVID-19?
3: I think that it's allowed us to see like the real people for who they are and always were and the fucking phonies and fakes for who they always were. Uh, You know, everyone that we, we love and respect in this industry in LA has helped us uh, in so many ways. And it's, it's those texts, it's those emails, the phone calls, like, you know, what do you guys need? How can we help you? And and it's been great, you know, a part of our success is because our friends, like, Damon and I don't have any money, but we're rich in and friends. And, and they have all helped us at one point or another. And then there's the other people that have, you know, made promises that either they were excited about and maybe just over I like, get it, that happens, and couldn't deliver, or they just straight up quit, you know? And, and when it came time to deliver, they, they chose not to. So uh, I think that, you know, there's a reason why the LA on my hat is upside down uh, you know, LA is dying, like I'm sure many cities are, but with death comes life, right? The cycle. So you're going to see that this city where so many people come to make it, right? Like, if New York City eats its young, then in Los Angeles, only the strong survive. So you either come here and you make it, or you go back to live wherever you came from, uh, whether it's Des Moines or a big city, and that's it. You had your shot and you didn't make it. So I think that, I think that's what's going to happen in Los Angeles. That the contraction is going to be so, so severe, with so many people losing their establishments, losing their their lifelong dreams. That, like, my hope personally is that if you walk into a bar in, in a year from now or a restaurant, that the best people are going to be working there. That you're not going to have, you know, fake hospitality people. You're going to have like true professional servants and and people that just want that experience that you're about to have to be amazing. Oh
0: Yeah. Uh, What does the state of mental health and hospitality look like to you?
2: I mean, just that, okay. So let's start with this bartender uh, position, right? We have that idea of like living like a rock star, getting fucked up every day after work, smoking cigarettes, taking shots uh working crazy hours you know going to sleep late all that um i feel yeah, like i'm one I'm, I'm one of those i'm basically ex- explaining like describing myself you know uh, like i'm a i'm going drop amidst this ocean of, of hospitality right but it's like let's check in on one another man Let's see, like if you're not good, well, let's talk about it. Let's get you a let's get you some type of help. Let's get if you need a clean slate to write on, like just just take it all out on me. You know, hospitality, we give ourselves so much to people. Our energy, our our pure personal energy is like, what do you want? Are you okay? Is there mushrooms on there? Would you like some more? You want do you want to make that a double? You know, and you're trying to please everybody all day every fucking day you know what about you what about the person when you clock out what does that mean how do how does that affect an individual you know so let's just check in on one another i'm not saying like let's all hold hands and sing kumbaya fuck that shit it's more so like i can tell you're not okay when you're ready fucking talk to me and then once that's set aside like following up the next day or the next week, hey, how you doing? Or like, yo, here's some chicken soup for the soul, cabrón. Like, I, I left it at your fucking door. That person that knocked on your door, that was me. I didn't text you, but fuck, you know, I don't want you to say no to my offering because of pride or some stupid shit. It's it's it, I think it's time, this, this whole pandemic, everyone's talking about mental health awareness and all this, that's dope. But let's put it into practice, how Don and I and our team puts it into practice every day for the labor portion. If we're talking about this this muscle up here that we have to train every freaking day, let's make sure that everyone is able to sustain themselves day in and day out for the long haul. I mean, I have to remind myself, but Don tells me like, pops, are you good? Like just this morning, like one of our really good friends said, it was like, are you good? I'm like, fuck no, not right now, but I will be. And I see the light. And when my friends, my colleagues check in on me, I'm gonna be all right. And I only say this because of the amount of volume of, of, of conversations that we have with these families and all their issues become our issues. But what about us? What about how we're feeling? You know, there is no no us without you, without us. You know what I mean? We have to make sure that we're okay. So for the hospitality sector, let's just check in on one another, text each other, call each other, FaceTime each other. And when we're working alongside each other, like really legit, let the, let each
0: other know that we're here for one another. Yeah, I mean, there's so much of, you know, that work that we have to do ourselves for each other because we're not it's not really readily available from anyone else. And it's certainly not really talked about very much in our industry.
3: It's uh, not.
2: And and people want to go and turn it like substance abuse and pops and pills and you know it, it, that's another
0: whole other battle. That's a whole other issue that we that, that could be its own episode, you know. Yeah, right. well, that's the easy way, right? That's the way that we've been told that we do it for forever.
1: It's a vicious mm-hmm. cycle, and then we just find ourselves like pouring from an empty cup, not really right. refilling this cup, but you know, using really unhealthy coping mechanisms to alleviate the stress that we find every single day because we are taking care better care of the folks in front of us than we are ourselves so it's like until we kind of break this cycle and destigmatize hospitality work and the way that we're treated within that culture. And we're just going to keep perpetuating the same systems. So just like you said earlier, it's like we do have a reset right now. Although COVID is unfortunate and this pandemic is terrible, we have the opportunity because we've had a year to think about all the things that are fucked up and how they should change. And you guys are just doing so much. It is extremely inspiring.
0: Real. Thank you. Uh, I mean, obviously, obviously COVID has really like put a spotlight on so much of what the hospitality industry is and like so many of the bullshit things that we've carried for years, because that's just the way that it has been from, you know, like a lot of things that we talked about today from, you know, just disregarding the people that work around us because we're caught up in our own shit from not taking care of ourselves from, you know, prioritizing, you know, the guests happiness over our long-term sustainability and and enjoyment. Uh, What does the future of hospitality look like to you and how,
3: how do we get there? I mean, I I think I kind of already said my piece earlier about what I hope it looks like in the year. So I'll let Damien answer it. You know, so the question is, what is the future of hospitality?
0: Yeah, well, what does it look like to you? Like in, in a in a ideal world, what what do you want the future of hospitality? To look so, like? I think we can all agree right now that
2: we can't. Well, these let's put it this way: these huge dining halls, for example, that were like Michelin star, James Beard award winning, amazing places are kind of dying just because that of necessity and what we're able to hold on in terms of capacity. So now we have the industry pivoting and downscaling, whether it's downscaling their labor, downscaling their menu. Uh, you know, we have people out here in LA that are buying old ice cream trucks and making them into food, cars, uh, food trucks, you know what I mean? And yet we still receive the same level of hospitality as you would at this globally renowned, amazing establishment, you know? What I'm trying to get at is it doesn't matter, it shouldn't matter the scale or the perception of what an establishment has, so long as the the common ground is hospitality, making people feel welcome, and most importantly, making people want to come back. Um, You can take a hole in the wall, Call it a dive bar or like a pop-up for this two three item food menu and you're gonna have a line around the the, door, uh, the corner of the street you know there's a reason why you know i had this running joke with Othon. it's like you can give us a lemonade stand on the fucking corner and we're gonna have a line around the block because yeah we're just selling lemonade but people take something else with them than just an ice cold amazing delicious refreshing lemonade it's the um, the sense of community, the sense of belonging to something bigger than what they anticipated about themselves. You know, it's the idea of people don't go to places, they go to bartenders, they go to chefs, they go to individuals, because there's a sense of therapy and refuge there, right? So that's hospitality. For our organization, for our team, we're bringing this shit to the streets. We're not confounded by walls and a door. Every single person that drives through our drive through format, through our distribution sites, feels at ease, feels at home. They get offered water. At one point, it was, Do you want sparkling or still? You know, they get their food and we're like the highlight of the week 12 months into this shit, you know? And they're like, Whoa, I feel like this is like going to a restaurant or going to my favorite, you know? And that's what we want. Whether it's a bakery, a restaurant, a, a bar, I think I think that's what we need to keep in mind and not lose sight of amidst this pandemic and as long as it takes moving forward.
0: Oh yeah. And um, what like more specifically, what does your guys' future look like? <laughs> We're gonna keep this going. I mean, food. Once you get vetted, yeah, we we get should...
3: that. We get asset. That... Go ahead, Go ahead.
2: No, no, go ahead. Pass the mic.
3: Oh, I had a little bit of a delay. I, sorry. Uh, we get asked that a lot, and you know, uh, it's it's not that it's not that we wouldn't do the right project as far as consulting and and operating. It's just it's so far out of our mind right now because we often talk about, hey, who's gonna be able to afford us? Because you know everyone wants dope shit, but nobody wants to pay for it. So yeah. we're not gonna we're not gonna give our all to a project and and. Pay, and get paid a discounted rate so um that's not going to happen yeah, but so many people paid. are going to be willing to undercut us because you know time times and stuff yeah two words right fuck you pay me so um <laughs> you know the <laughs> the the thing is that we we really like what we're doing you know and and likes the software it, there's never been a point in my life where i, I get up and I feel fucking terrible most of his because I don't sleep very well, but I feel great when I see little kids come through our drive-through line uh, and I just see the, the the sense of relief on the family's faces. You know, Damien gets to speak to families every day and I, I don't, that's that's his, that's his uh, Woolhouse. house. And when I see families just, even for a moment, like a, a little bit of a relief, I know that we're we're all doing a good job. So we don't want to stop doing this. We just need to get a bigger boat and, and get more attention to our, our 501C3 so that we can build it and and help more people. We just want to help more people.
2: Yeah, this is our new career choice. I mean, going can take a lot for us to go back to making Margaritas in Manhattan, which we still love. I mean, we do it all the time at home, especially. But for us to stop doing what we're doing currently um, and go back to something like that for now, it, it doesn't just doesn't make sense at this time. Uh, we want to do it we don't have to do it, but we want to and at this point it's safe to say it's more of like a, a social responsibility we have not just to the undocumented sector but also to our hospitality industry
0: yeah I mean what you guys are doing is so incredibly important and valuable right now I mean it's yeah, you know, working working in kitchens here at, at the beginning of the pandemic saw it all the time just like everyone wondering what they're going to do. But then there's a whole segment of people in the kitchen that are just like, you guys have a safety net. We don't have anything. Uh, so it's amazing that you guys are are building that safety net for them.
1: It's also amazing. I'm just going to say it and I know I shouldn't say it, but I don't care. Um, it's also amazing because when we entered like the nonprofit world, I naively thought that there were a bunch of people like you um, out there who were like all in it for the love of the game. And we're all like like like-minded people who are just out here like trying to make like a small impact and do the best we can with the resources that we have. And I think we found very quickly that that is not the case. So it is very refreshing um, and I personally can't wait um, for the other side of all these things and when we can eventually go to LA and connect with you because I feel like so grateful to have this conversation and I was just like screaming inside the entire time with joy (laughs) because it's just really nice to know that you're not crazy and that there are people out there who are truly doing it for the love of the people. And, um, I'm just, I'm really grateful to have people like you in LA, um, helping these folks. It's just, it's incredible. Thank
3: you. Thank you. We're happy to serve.
0: Thank you. Yeah. Um, do you guys have any other things that you want to pass on to, to our listeners? Any other words of advice? Jamie?
2: Just listen to one another. And as Otona mentioned to you guys earlier, I mean, if we could do it, you guys can do it too. It's, we don't have to over-intellectualize how to help people. Um, we just have to not be afraid of doing the work and living outside of your comfort zone and steering into uncharted territory. You know, like I said, if if you're willing to do the work and you yourself, chances are, are of an immigrant background because no one's is from here in this country unless you're of native or indigenous descent. I don't care if your great, 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 great granddaddy came from Poland or your uncle came from the Caribbean or you came from Bolivia. You know, everyone has that common story. So let's just fucking help each other, bro. We have a saying, it's be nice, work hard and do dope shit. And if you follow that same sentiment, oh, yeah. go have at it. <laughs> Take it from <laughs> us and
0: run with that shit, man. Like, let's go. Let's go. That's the fucking shit right uh, there. I love that.
1: T-shirts, I'll buy one. <laughs>
3: yeah, for real. Um, get on that. Get on that. Uh, one, thing, one thing I do want to say is that uh, we just kind of finalized yesterday, so it it was uh, like six months of, of work uh, on their end and then coordinating with us. But uh, Lindsey from... Uh, Lush Life, uh, you know, Portland Cocktail Week, uh, in partnership with Campari, we're going to be doing um, we're gonna be doing six seminars in Spanish, which is great because we're going to be able to to reach the audience that we serve, you know. And we we have been talking about you know what are the topics going to be of these seminars, and we don't just want it to be like oh well let's learn how to make syrups in Spanish and talk about that because they're all the ones to do that to do that prep work, but we really want to use this as an empowering tool and, and make sure that the people that are in this industry who now are maybe a bar back, you know, like our director of operations That when he started with us and he was a food runner, you know, and every every place we've gone, he's come with us and he's moved up and like, he's he's the one person that I, I've never been upset at in my life. And you know, like I'm, I don't want to say I'm hard to please, but I am very particular, as Damien will tell you. But uh, he's great, and he's a great example of people in our in our industry are so talented. And just because they're green doesn't mean that you can't coach them up and give them chances to lead and eventually succeed. So this will just be that version in Spanish. It won't be patronizing or, you know, it's not going to be phoned in, if you will.
0: It's amazing. Congratulations. Uh, guys, really appreciate you. you taking the time to chat with us today. Uh, really like what us. you guys are doing is appreciate absolutely it. amazing. Um, I know it's thank you're giving all... us your platform and spreading the word of
2: our cause and amplifying this message.
0: Yeah. Anytime. Let's keep, let's keep uh, it going. Yeah, for sure. Like this is, you know, I, I don't think a lot of people in our industry really understand exactly how important what you guys are doing is, uh, and how important these people are to the continuance and, and growth of our industry uh it's just like they are fully the backbone of what we're doing and you know we've got to respect that and and give help where we can uh well thank you so much for joining us today and remember to not only please hustle responsibly but also give a shit